When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and all of our great ESPN stations across the country. She is... Michelle Smallman, the best beard in the game over here. Hello. It's Chris Canty. You know what time it is. And I am Evan Cohen. Yes, uh, Chris Canty is so competitive. He wants to make sure that his beard is on point at all times. And I got to be honest, it is. Thank you. I appreciate that. It looks good. I appreciate the compliment. You know what wasn't on point last night? Stephen A. throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees-Blue Jays game. I disagree. You disagree? Here's why I disagree. How do you disagree? Do we see it, Evan? (laughs) Okay, here's why I disagree. How great is this for Stephen A. show today, first take, and all of us? If Stephen A. Smith would have thrown a perfect strike, and you're watching on the on the TV oh side of two and you, as Molly Karam tweeted out, was that a bounce pass? <laughs> Which is a great line. It's an embarrassment. But if he had a perfect strike, it's a non-story. Now, it's a big story. No, it's not a non-story, because he hyped it up yesterday. He said he was going <laughs> to go out there and throw, and throw some gas, and the fact that he bounced the pitch... How do you bounce the pitch? Look at his reaction. Like, like he if, knows. Like he Smalls, knows. if anything, go ahead and airmail it. Show you got some arm talent. You know what I mean? Don't go out there and bounce the pitch. That's an embarrassment. So Dave Duncan, legendary pitching coach, St. Louis Cardinals, arguably one of the best pitching coaches in baseball history. Uh, my former co-host Randy Carricker threw out a first pitch in St. Louis, and we called Dave Duncan for some advice. Yeah. Dave Duncan said, aim high and let it fly. Because when you're that far away – it's obviously going to fall shorter than you ever imagined it to. So Stephen A. did not aim high, and he did not let it fly. Yeah, it's nerve-wracking. I've, I did it a couple of times in, um, for spring training at Roger Dean in, in South Florida where the, um, the Marlins and the Cardinals play, and I've done mm-hmm. it in Port St. Lucie with the Mets. I, I was more nervous doing that than I was when we started this show. <laughs> like, I wasn't nervous for this show. It, uh-huh. The stage is massive. Okay. But this is what we do for a living. Yeah. Throwing out a first pitch is insanely nerve-wracking. I bet you Stephen A., who is as big of a star as there is, was actually nervous last night. You think so? I'm telling you. Have you done it? No, I haven't done it. I haven't had the privilege of it. Well, I'm sure somebody listening right now will now. I would like to throw out yeah, a first you pitch, can get preferably first pitch. for my baseball team, the New York Yankees. Maybe and start I can a little pro- lower than that? You're going to start right at the Yankees? No, I'm going to start at the Yankees. <laughs> He's Yankee-worthy. But He's here's Yankee the thing. Worthy. I'm not going to bounce the first pitch. And if you know that it's coming, wouldn't you want to practice that a few times? Oh, I did that. Like, you got you to gotta yeah. actually throw off a mound. You can't just go in the backyard and toss a ball. You actually have to throw off of a mound because the angle is different. Oh, and so yeah. that probably factored into Stephen A. bouncing it. I, I, <laughs> Just I, I, I don't want to believe that Stephen A. doesn't have the arm strength to throw the ball 60 feet, 6 inches, right? So I got to believe that it's because of the angle being on the mound is what he it's what drove the ball into the dirt. I don't want to say Stephen A. just is awful at throwing, a, throwing out a baseball. I just can't believe that. 
Oh, I would have the measuring tape out in the backyard. I would be standing on a crate so that the elevation yes. was oh, no, you gotta, you gotta go. go all in. Oh, I would be practicing like you can't believe. I'm not going to embarrass my family name if I go Thank out Thank you. There. Th- that's it. No that's way. It. You embarrassed your family no name. No way. Stephen A. Oh embarrassed God. the Yankees fans out there. It's an embarrassment to Spike Lee, to everybody <laughs> that reached for the pinstripes. Last night was abysmal. It was terrible in my Charles Barkley voice. Terrible. Stephen A. can't do that. I When I had my first one that I did in Florida. I went to Cardinal Newman High School, local Florida and uh, local high school in West Palm. It's where uh, Brooks Kepka went to school. Anquan Bolden, uh, sorry, Anquan, not Anquan, uh, A. Bielum went there. Some other oh, NFL yeah. players okay. went there. Scotty Barnes of the Raptors went there. And I would literally go on the mound and practice like I was preparing for a major league baseball game. It was crazy. And it was so nerve wracking. And so you say practice in the backyard. I don't think you can do that because I think you guys are right. The mound is what throws the whole thing off. The elevation? Yeah, you can't just practice in the backyard. So how, how did your pitches go? I, Were you proud I, of them? No, yeah, I, threw, I, well, I didn't throw strikes, but I hit the catcher. I didn't bounce go. it. I didn't nice. throw it over the catcher's head. So I was happy with that. I do have a friend that threw maybe seven bounces before then. It was a disaster. Absolute disaster. Seven bounces? I think seven bounces. Seven, I think seven bounces. It was awful. It was like you were bowling. Just awful. Absolutely awful. Kind of like uh, Kenny's football team last night. Oh, wow. What a transition. Although he, there? here's the thing. You had to take it there? The Giants lost to the Niners 30-12 to 12 last night on, on um, Thursday Night Football. And CC has come in today, and I, the floor is his, because <laughs> you're going to try to spin this a little bit positively for the Giants here? Well, I thought they did a good job of keeping it close early, right? It wasn't an absolute blowout. <laughs> what Tom Coughlin Well, you, you set the over-under on what time we were going to go to bed at 10, and I definitely took the over on that one yeah. because they had it as a one-possession game in the third quarter. Yes. I just didn't see that happening. I think it was a 17-12 game in the third before the Niners kicked a couple of field goals, made it 23-12 to going into the fourth, but... I, I thought that Wink Martindale came up with a good game plan to keep Brock Purdy off balance. Now, you would never know it from the final stat sheet mm-hmm. and looking at his totals, but you could tell that he was off balance on the first drive that the 49ers had. There were a couple of footballs that Brock Purdy threw up for grabs, and his receivers had to play defense. The one on the seven cut, which is a post corner to George Kittle, Brock Purdy throws it blind, and Kittle has to knock it down. Otherwise, Adoree Jackson's got a pick going the other way. The same thing happened in the end zone to Debo Samuels on the same drive. So it was clear that they had a game plan that was disruptive toward what the 49ers wanted to do. They create a lot of long long third-down situations, but unfortunately for them, Kyle Shanahan came up with the perfect play call, the screenplay to Debo Samuels that hits for 30 yards, or how about the screenplay to Christian McCaffrey on a third and 13 that ends up converting. And so that's where I have to give credit where credit is due. Kyle Shanahan put on a master class when it comes to situational football last night. Yeah, and the third down, the third and longs, there there was like a sequence, I want to say, over the second and third quarters of that game. It felt like five or six in a row on a third down where there was either a dump-off screen pass that went for 20 or a flag. Yeah. Like every single time it felt like the Niners figured out a way of getting a first down, but it wasn't like third and nine and they had a 10 yard completion. No. It was, oh, here, Debo, go. Which is smart because if you have the weapons like that and you have a quarterback that can get them the ball, and Brock Purdy wasn't great last night, right? No. I mean, you look at the no. numbers 25 of 37, 310, and two touchdowns. It looks like he was great on the surface, but the reality is there were multiple plays where they could have picked off the ball. And in my mind, the entire time, I kept going back to ESPN's Field Yates' tweet from a few weeks ago where 
oh, by the way, the Niners have $41 million in cap space. I kept going back to that in my mind. And I'm like, wait, did I read that wrong? And I looked it up last night. No, it's true. And that they have that he much. Said, no, it's true. Yeah, that, it's true. They have insane cap space because – I don't want to say they're nervous about Brock Purdy because they shouldn't be because he's literally never lost a home game. I mean, this te- uh, sorry, a regular season game. This team has won 13 straight regular season games and dating back to last year. And Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in 12 straight games. Wow. They are dominant right now. So even when they don't look that good at times or they get a couple of breaks with penalties, Smalls, they still win 30 to 12. Oh, absolutely. We know Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is an absolute game wrecker. And the Giants, you talked about the Patriots and how it felt kind of like a moral victory, even in a loss that they had played better. I felt that way about the Giants, especially in the first half. But the San Francisco 49ers, top to bottom, are just too tough. I don't know after these first three weeks if we've seen a team that's as complete or as tough as this one. They are going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so here's the thing, and and, and I can't be but so mad at my New York Giants because they were just outclassed last night, not just from an X's and O's standpoint, but the overall physicality Mm -hmm. of the San Francisco 49ers is what stood out to me. And over the course of that game, you could see them just grind the Giants down. And so when I was playing in football, Coach Coughlin, Coach Parcells, they would always talk about the indicators for physicality, and there are five of them. It's rush differential, sack differential, yards after catch, yards after contact, and red zone efficiency. Last night, the differential when it came to the run game, 141 yards for the 49ers, 29 for the Giants. Can you give those five things again? I want to hear those again. So So. rush differential, sack differential, yards after catch, yards after contact, red zone efficiency. So the rush— And they said if you do that— if you're you, going to win. If you win the majority of those battles, you're going to win the physical battle. Now, it might not translate into winning the game because you might have some turnovers baked in there, different things like that. But last night, the 49ers, 141 rush yards to 29 rush yards for the Giants. Sacks, they were even at two. Yards after catch, 99 yards after catch for the 49ers, 14 for the Giants. Yards after first contact, 57 for the 49ers, 19 for the Giants. Red zone efficiency, the 49ers had two scores in the red zone. The Giants only had one. So, I mean, that that tells the story in terms of the weight class that the two teams are in, and that's the part that's probably a little bit disappointing for Giants fans because you realize you're just that far off from the other elite teams in the NFC. Yeah. That's, those numbers are pretty yeah. jarring. <laughs> it's, it's, br- but it's not surprising because no. we sat here yesterday and we played, and people can go back on the ESPN app and listen to the podcast. And when we did the Kenny or Canty, I want to say in the 9 a.m. Eastern hour yesterday, and we talked about receptions, you said you thought receptions for some of these guys like Debo and Kittle wouldn't be high, but the yardage would be because of the yards after the catch. And that's exactly how it played out last night. And the Niners are argu- arguably the best team in the NFL. And I don't even think that's a bold statement. Like, no, it's not a bold statement. They're the best team in the NFL right no, they now. Are they, the don't, they don't lose. No, they don't. And I said that after week one when they went into Pittsburgh and took their cookies. I said, this is the most complete team top to bottom in the National Football League. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys over the first two weeks have embarrassed the New York teams, but it feels like those are the JV and the 49ers are the varsity. So it's a different story. Now, for those of the, those people out there making the argument, oh, well, the 49ers needed to beat the Giants worse than the Cowboys beat the Giants in order to prove that they're the best team in the NFC, stop yourself. Yeah. That's not how football works. First of all, we're talking about on a short week. I get that the Giants didn't have Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley, but the 49ers didn't have Brandon Ayuk. And a short week is always weird for both teams. But when you look at the overall physicality in the head-to-head matchups between the 49ers 
and the Cowboys in recent memory. Just go back to the division round lost by the Cowboys last year, 2022 playoffs out in Levi Stadium. When it comes to the physical battle, they were outclassed by the San Francisco 49ers. So, again, those key indicators. The rush differential in that game, the 49ers 113 rush yards, the Cowboys 76 rush yards. When it comes to sack differential, they were right there. When it comes to yards after contact, the 49ers 46, the Cowboys 38. When it comes to yards after catch, the 49ers 91, the Cowboys 85. Now, both of them had one red zone touchdown, but the Cowboys also had a red zone turnover. So those are the things that actually matter as it pertains to being able to win football games. And the 49ers have proven themselves when they matched up in the Cow- with the Cowboys when it matters most that they are overwhelmingly the more physical of the two teams. So why, when these two teams match up in a couple of weeks, would we think it would be any different? The the logic of because you beat one team a certain way, you have to beat that other team a different like that makes absolutely no yeah. sense. To sit here and compare and contrast the Niners and the Cowboys based on point differential against the Giants, maybe is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But the Niners last night, definitely in the zone. So was Christian McCaffrey specifically. 18 carries, 85 yards, touchdown, 5 catches, 35 or 34 yards for Christian McCaffrey. He was in the zone last night. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Coming up, the Niners. From the window to the wall, they better not drop the ball. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I don't think the camera was on for that one. Oh, I did the uh, (laughs) West Coast. The West Coast. West Coast. I thought that was Westchester. I wasn't sure. Oh! I wasn't sure. Oh! (laughs) There is a Westchester in LA. (laughs) Wow. Both. Both. All right. Oh, boy. It's wild in the Westchester streets. That's right. Look out. Wild. You know what? The mean streets of Westchester. Somebody somebody once knocked off my yarmulke at Hebrew school. On purpose? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so it's Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Is it okay if I laugh at that joke? I think so. Yes, okay, I right. mean, it's not to make fun of any okay. religion or okay. race or uh, anything like that. It was okay. to make fun of myself. Uh, um, sure. Series XM80, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at UnsportsESPN. Okay, so last night we had a dominant performance by the San Francisco 49ers, 30-12. to They beat the Giants. They're 3-0. and Let's just think about this for a second and put this Niners team in perspective. So there are teams in the NFL this year that are Super Bowl or bust, right? I think we look at the Kansas City Chiefs. As long as Mahomes is there, they're a Super Bowl or bust team. I think the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, have to get to a Super Bowl. They don't have to win it, but they have to get to a Super Bowl. Worst case scenario, AFC Championship. I think Philly can get away with not getting to the Super Bowl. 
I think that Dallas can get away with not getting to the Super Bowl. I think Baltimore, Miami, Cincinnati, Detroit, all the other odds uh, on favorites here, per Caesars, as you see on the uh, television side, can all get away with not getting to the Super Bowl. I think the San Francisco 49ers over the next three years have more pressure on them to win a Super Bowl, arguably since the early days of Tom Brady in New England. And Mm. here's why. When you look at this San Francisco 49ers team, they have to win a Super Bowl this year, next year, or the year after. And really, I'll say this year and next year. Have to. There should be the pressure on them. When we look at a way in which a team is built, CC, what do I always say? The key to football is what? A Having co- a quarterback that outperforms his contract. Okay. So outperforming your contract means you better perform better than your percentage of cap. Patrick Mahomes makes 16.9 percentage of the cap for the Kansas City Chiefs. Josh Allen makes 8.2% of the cap. Joe Burrow makes 8.6% of the cap. Brock Purdy. San Francisco 49ers, who's never lost a regular season game, okay? Never lost a regular season game. They've won 13 straight, makes 0.4% of the cap, <laughs> which means the rest of the team, they have 99.6% of their salary cap with $41 million available this year allocated to the other 52 guys on the roster. And that quarterback has to outperform that contract. Not only is he outperforming the contract, even when he didn't even play that well last night, he has 17 touchdowns, four interceptions in the 12 games he's played in the NFL. This team is built perfectly. We have not seen a team built like this since Russell Wilson's early days with the Seattle Seahawks and Tom Brady's early days with the New England Patriots. We have not seen this where a quarterback makes this little and a team is this good, and a quarterback can perform this well, even despite what he did last night. They have to win this year or next year, or else it's a colossal failure. But to counter that, do you not think that they could find another Brock Purdy? No. Or at least find someone that could be as uh, at times as efficient as he's been? No, I don't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because anybody you would find that would be that good would make more. So that 0.4 percentage of cap, if you were to say, hey, if they were to go out there and get Kirk Cousins, let's just say for argument's sake, who Kyle Shanahan has been rumored to want forever, um, and since their days in Washington, Mm -hmm. the percentage of cap will be higher, which means you cannot pay the other 52 guys as much. And I think that Brock Purdy has now graduated from the can't you find anybody like that to, okay, he's good. I mean, CeCe had him in the top half of the league in the quarterback, maybe even the top 10, I think you put him in at one point. And he's proven to be that because even in a bad game last night, they still won by 18 points. He still didn't turn the ball over by way of interception. They are built perfectly. They, They have to win this year or next year before this guy gets a contract. You don't see things like this. I have two total examples in the NFL in my in my memory of this working like this. It's just Russell Wilson with Seattle and Tom Brady with New England early on. There's no other example of this. But if Brock Purdy was on, let's say, the Indianapolis Colts, do we think that he would be as valuable as no, he is? He, no. Absolutely not. We say so much about Kyle Shanahan and the system and the weapons around them and the defense of San Francisco. That's the only counter that I would have is that because of the personnel and because of the coaching staff there, that they might be able to find someone, even if it's a rookie or somebody who's not as expensive as a Kirk Cousins, and have them be efficient enough to allow this team to still have success. Yeah, Smalls, until Evan's point, like I think the way to get a quarterback or to guarantee that your quarterback outperforms his contract is to have him on a rookie contract. Yeah. Like, I think that's the surest way to guarantee that. But what are the odds that you're going to be able to find lightning in a bottle twice? Like, how are you going to be able to find another Brock Purdy in the draft? Think about it. They took a huge swing with Trey Lance, and they missed 
terribly. The only thing that saved John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan was Brock Purdy's play down the stretch last year and early on this regular season. If we're not, if Brock Purdy isn't capable of going on that deep playoff run, getting his team to the conference championship, we're singing a completely different tune about this regime and a different, uh, I guess, a different point about the urgency that this organization has to have in order to win. But to to Ev's point, to his larger point. They have to be able to capitalize on this window why they have Brock on a controllable deal because if you don't, then it's going to be hard to replicate that in terms of the overall roster construction. Exactly right. Think about this. Arguably, the number one defensive free agent that was out there last year coming into this year was Hargrave, right? Yeah. Okay. They got him, and they're a defensive team. How can you afford him? Because your quarterback is 0.4% of the cap. It's it's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, still upgrade. Well, just think about all of the players that they have that play at an all pro level. I mean, you have Fred Warner, top of the market contract for an off the ball linebacker. Nikki Bosa just signed an extension for thirty four million dollars a year. You have Trent Williams, arguably one of the best left tackles in the game. He's got a top five contract in his position. You can go on and on. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey is the highest paid running back. You can't afford all of those all pro guys. If you don't have a quarterback on a controllable deal, and I think that's the part where it it, it feels like an outlier in terms of how they do it in comparison to everybody else, and to it's lucky, it's lucky. Honestly, I don't want to say it's luck, but it's it's more art than science, which is why a lot of teams don't go down that road, right? Because it's exponentially harder to do it that way. You have less margin for error because you have to absolutely be right on the quarterback. And the 49ers have already proven that they can be wrong about quarterbacks when they invest a lot of resources in them and taking them high in the draft. But that's why they have to win this year or next year. They have more pressure, in my mind, on them to win either this year or next year because at some point, even if you guys are like, oh, come on, Brock Purdy's replaceable. Fine, another team will look at him and say, we'll take him if you don't want him. We'll give him $30 million we'll give a him year. The Jimmy Garoppolo I was deal. just going to say Jimmy G's the, the blueprint, right? Well, well yeah, we'll, we'll give him the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, and that's, that's what's going to continue to happen. And the odds of the 49ers finding another guy that can step in and play the way that Brock has played. I mean, through the first two weeks, Brock had the highest QBR in the NFL, and I don't think he did anything last night to make it go down. Now, in last night's game on uh, against the Blitz, Brock Purdy was 17-27, 236 yards and two touchdowns. That's against the Blitz. It, on third downs, when they were in third and longs, Brock Purdy was 9 of 12 with a passer rating of over 130. Like, you're not going to find that level of quarterback play with a guy that's taking up 0.4% of your salary it's cap. It's crazy. You're just it, not going to get that. Right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, this is a guy that on the on the Amazon Prime broadcast last m- night, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet mentioned he has a roommate. <laughs> he makes 900000 which is a whole different topic of conversation. If you make $900,000 a year, unless your roommate is your spouse – Live alone, will you please? Have you seen real estate prices in the Bay Area? You can't afford a studio apartment. <laughs> they're, they're going for well over a million. Rents, rents, Brock. Give well me a break. A I actually respect it, though. I respect it. I mean, he's I'm a, not saying he's a waste a, he's money. He's a man after my own heart. I get He's it. a financially responsible yeah, young man. I'm just saying. I'll tell you. Is there a team with more pressure on him to win the Super Bowl based on that argument that I just made than the Niners this year? No, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys got to get it done. They got a quarterback that but that's has just because no, of the no, helmet. No, no, the star, no, the helmet no, 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 no. It's not because of the helmet. It's because of all of the players that they have on top of the market deals, including their quarterback. Dak has a sixty million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty four. That's a larger percentage of captain points for exactly, exactly. <laughs> sixty. Million, uh, they just paid Trayvon Diggs a bunch of money. They're gonna have to pay Michael Parsons thirty five million dollars a year. They're they not just, built perfectly. They, they the just, are they built just perfectly. gave Zach Martin a bunch of money. Yeah, I, I mean they got Tyron Smith. 
who's getting a little bit older. Like they've got Demarcus Lawrence, who's getting a little bit older. Like they, they have a lot of players that they're financially obligated to, and they're going to have to pay core players even more money. They just gave Terrence Steele damn near a hundred hundred million dollars, and, and the he's their right and he's their right tackle. Like they, so, the Cowboys are leveraged to the hilt in order to get this thing done. And on top of that, you have the layer of Mike McCarthy essentially being on the hot seat if he doesn't go on a deep playoff run. That team has more pressure than the San Francisco 49ers. I think the 49ers' window is longer than the Dallas Cowboys, albeit not by very much. I think the Dallas Cowboys have to get it done over the next couple of years. I think the San Francisco 49ers have three seasons in which they can try to win a championship. Maybe two if Brock Purdy continues to outperform his contract and says, no, no, it's time for me to get paid. And by the way, to the DAC point, Pat Costello, producer, thank you for this information. DAC next season, 22% of the cap, (laughs) which means you you have... 78% 78% to spend on everybody else. The Niners have 99.6% of the available money to spend on other people outside of their quarterback, and their quarterback per CC is, worst-case scenario, a top half of the league quarterback. Think about that. They are built perfectly. They better win now. Coming up, the Bears GM spoke about a finger, a thumb. Which way is it pointing? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. I mean, you want me to do it or do you not want me to do it? <laughs> Who's do the it. black sheep? <laughs> <laughs> Look at you! It's Unsportsmanlike. It. What's the scenario? It. On ESPN Radio, <laughs> presented by Progressive this guy, Insurance. This guy, very cool. <laughs> Whoa, very cool. I'm very out. Cool. I'm leaving. I, you, cool. I've done all very I need cool. to do. You've peaked like right now. I, re- I really peaked. 6.35 a.m. Eastern time. It's uh, wow. Friday the 22nd. I, I might have lost for words now all no, of a sudden. It's Friday. You yeah. feeling good about the weekend coming <laughs> now up? Now I am. <laughs> ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app. Speaking of this weekend, by the way, Saturday, college game day, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Jen Latta is going to be there. That's a big uh, one. She'll win an Emmy for a story that we've never heard that'll make us cry. It'll be interesting to see which one Jen will have this weekend, by the way, on game day. Uh, she's probably going to win every award for that piece that she did on Coach Prime and Peggy. 
the the woman in her yeah. 90s. Yeah, 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 Have you guys yeah, yeah. seen that? that oh was my awesome. god. I I watch it maybe 60 times and cried every time. Okay, it's if we're going to power rank Jen's uh, game day pieces, I'm still going to put Jump Around number one. Well, she won a lot of awards for that well, one. Well, <laughs> and also because it was all about the University of Wisconsin of course, and House of Pain and everything like that. Well, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. You never be objective when it comes to anything so now that's I'm back to not, not cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not cool, but you cape hard for your school, man. But you know what's funny? Uh, so I got accused of being Harriet the Homer sometimes in St. Louis because I ride so hard for my city. Evan rides hard for his school, but all of his other teams oh, front running. are front runners. Yeah, so I can't right? even call him a homer because they're not from his home. I don't know if I can oh, call him. I, can all, I, don't, I don't know if I can call the Miami Heat a front runner though. I don't uh, know if I can call him a front runner. I started they had a lot of success, success, but it's like nobody picks the Miami Heat to get to the NBA Finals. And just every year, year in, year out, they find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. And don't worry about it. Nobody way. expects it, but it happens every other year. Yeah. I'm not like. They find a way. I'm not refreshing. Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter every four seconds here, feeling like the Dame deal's about to happen. I mean, it's just it's other people that are doing that. Yeah, that's, not me. That, that's gonna happen. Yeah, that's I feel it happen. too. Today, that's happen. I feel like it's kind of like all the internet buzz. It's, it's it feels happen. like it's, it's close, it's right? Yeah, it's well, gonna happen. By the way, CC's a sneaky Heat fan. I don't know if people have realized this. Oh. He's a Lakers fan, but he loves. See, I have to remember. Well, who runs the Heat? Pat Riley. There you go. Okay. There you go. So there you go. He likes. He and I are similar in this business structure, organizational stuff. I mean, he's a Parcells guy. He's an yeah. Grow guy. So how can you not like the Heat? Because that's kind of your system. It's the same kind of thing. No doubt. But by the way, what he doesn't like. So we we sit there and Javante and Pat and Nuno and Jerry and everybody putting together this great audio production coming back there. And all the Justin Fields stuff. And this dude next to us is laughing, just hearing the Justin Fields stuff from the last couple of days. Ryan Poles, the GM, got in front of everybody yesterday and had this to say about all the quote-unquote finger-pointing with the Chicago Bears. I can't be more clear than this. No one in our entire building, none of our coaches, see Justin as a finger-pointer at all. He has always taken ownership of anything that's happened on the field. He takes it head-on. He works. He grinds. He puts his head down. He works with his teammates, works with his coaches uh, to find solutions. In my opinion, you got a young quarterback trying to figure it out who hasn't had the cleanest start of his career, who last year... With the roster, had to put the team on the back, do some unbelievable things athletically. Now he gets talent around him and has to figure out and balance when to do those cool things athletically, when to lean on others. And that is a sometimes a great place to live in. And that takes time. That takes time on task for him to take that next step. And everyone's on board helping him get into that place for him to be successful. Smalls, he lost me at finger pointing. Like, you can say Justin Fields is not a finger pointer, but ain't that exactly what he did when he talked to the media on Wednesday? They asked him why is he playing like a robot, and he said it could be coaching, but gave no other plausible explanation on what it could be, i.e., it's coaching. He threw his coaches under the bus. How is that not finger pointing? Like, all of the other coaching points that Ryan Poles made, okay, I get it, but I can't take you seriously when the comments by your quarterback Cause you to have an impromptu press conference that wasn't scheduled to do spin to do damage control because of some, because of some, because of something he put in the ether. Think about trying to manage the fallout from what Justin Fields did beyond just trying to go through the week's worth of preparation and get ready for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is probably going to be the toughest opponent that they play all season. But now you got to deal with this extra layer, and on top of that, you got the nonsense with the defensive coordinator resigning in the middle of the season. Like, it, 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 this is absolutely ridiculous. And I said it yesterday, and Evan, you disagree with me. But the worst thing the Chicago Bears could do 
is what Ryan Poles did yesterday, which is come out and speak publicly about it. Because nobody's going to want to care what they have to say until they actually do something different on the field. Yeah, and I, that's what we're looking for in week three. I, I asked the question about whether or not they needed to address this publicly from a leadership position. Obviously, they thought they did. Not as high up as Kevin Warren, the president, but one step below the general manager and Ryan Poles. He did address it. He did own the fact that there's adversity and there's turmoil, etc. Obviously, he didn't clean it up in your eyes because you're denying the obvious. Right? It's clear finger pointing. And then, you know what actually I didn't like? And I know it's going to come off weird. There was that moment in practice yesterday where Justin Fields knew the cameras were on him, and he goes up and he hugs Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, to have this, like, oh. hey, look at us. We're friends now. Like, that doesn't mean you're cool. And I think Justin Fields is actually going to be good this weekend. I think they're going to have a little bit of a bounce back in terms of his play, not their winning. Mm-hmm. But that that was just so unnecessary, I thought. That was like the celebrity stage, we're not breaking up paparazzi photo shoot, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, TMZ's hiding in the bushes. Let's make it look like we're at the farmer's market together. That was clearly staged, you know what I'm saying? But I, I disagree, Stacey. I think Ryan Poles needed to come out and say something publicly or someone from the Chicago Bears organization, not to necessarily do damage control, but to exert their confidence and their quarterback. Can you imagine how Justin Fields probably felt yesterday knowing that not only every show in Chicago was talking about this 24-7, but that nationally we were all examining the words that he chose to describe the situation in Chicago. So I think from an organizational standpoint, they needed to come out. They needed to exude some confidence in their quarterback, whether that was incorrect or not. You could say that you don't think he's a finger pointer, but that's what he did. And I and I know that people misspeak all the time. I do it all the time. I have empathy for people that do that. But I don't think Justin Fields misspoke. I know he did the A-plus circle back. I think he was just being honest about what the situation is in Chicago. Yeah, Courtney Cronin, who covers the Chicago Bears for ESPN, she said his initial comments on Wednesday was the most forthright she had seen him since she started covering the team. So he meant what he said, yeah. and I think he just tried to cushion the blow when he went back with the circle back after practice. But But here's the thing. In addressing it from a managerial standpoint, why do you have to protect your quarterback when he steps in it? That's the part I don't understand. Like, Justin Fields has to be accountable. He's going into year three. I get that he's only 24 years old, but he's got a lot of responsibility. He's the quarterback. It's by nature a leadership position. He's responsible for leading grown men, guys that are 30 years old plus, guys that got families, guys that depend on him to play well so they can take care of said families. I don't have to be in the business of protecting that dude. I don't. Like, he's the one that created the drama. Let him take care of it. Let him address it. Let him deal with it. And right now, the best thing for anybody is for Justin Fields to go out and ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. And even if he does that, which I'm anticipating he will, Ev, it's not just about a one-game sample size. It's about the rest of the season and him proving to the Chicago Bears that he deserves to be the quarterback for the foreseeable because there's always an opportunity cost that's associated with – passing on talented, cheaper options at the position in the NFL draft. And we've talked at nauseum about the Bears not only having their own pick, but the Carolina Panthers pick in the first round next year. Those both figure to be top ten picks, given how the two teams look through the first two weeks. So, again, Justin Fields has got an uphill climb in order to prove to the Chicago brass and the fans that he deserves to keep his job going into 2024. So, so quickly, answer this then. How would you advise this? Because you said you don't want Poles speaking. He doesn't have to, I don't think, by rules with the NFL No, he doesn't. Kevin him. Warren definitely does not, the no. president of the team. But Matt Eberflus, the head coach, does. So Monday morning, when he goes on with Cap and Jay Hood and ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he's got a Monday weekly spot with them. The only thing that they're going to care about 
is what we saw the last couple of days. Even if Justin Fields goes out there and is 24 of 27, 300 yards, three touchdowns, it's not as relevant as what we said the last couple of days. So how do you answer it if you're Eberflus? Well, clearly we've been able to put it past us if he goes out there and has that so kind of production. So he needs that in order for me to answer those questions exactly. about Eberflus. Exactly. Yeah. Eberflus needs that. Justin Fields needs that. Everybody in that organization needs that. They need some positive in Chicago right now because it's an absolute dumpster fire. And the only positive that anybody is going to care about is what they do on the field against the Chiefs. Uh, we just saw the big hug on ESPN2 and ESPN2. Wave into the, the camera. The, the hug and the wave there. Coming the up camera. next, is there a game that has more riding on it than the Chargers and the Vikings? We'll dive into that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Go for it. Come on yeah. now. No? You do one line and then it's out. I it's thought out. you guys were going to jump in. No, we don't want to steal your thunder there. Come on now. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app, and of course all of our great stations. I, I'm country. anti when it comes to singing Drake. I don't mind rapping along with Drake, but when it comes to singing Drake, it's like a sing rap. Not, not the biggest fan. Really? No, not the biggest fan. I love his music, but when he goes into the hook and he's singing and all, I can't get with that. I love, and that's on one of the greatest lines. I knew that she was fine like a ticket on the dash. Very good, Drake. A plus. Oh, that's a good yeah, line. Very mm-hmm. good. I that's have to actually do some math. Fancy, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Wow. That's a good one. Thank, thank me later. I think that's his best album. Oh, yeah. For Forever. Sure. Um, okay. So, uh, <laughs> Chargers Vikings. We're really going to talk about the Chargers Vikings right now. And here's why it's not as much about them, it's about overall, like, what were they doing? What were the Chargers doing when they could get Sean Payton and they brought Brandon Staley back? I don't know. What are man. the Vikings doing adding in season when it's so <laughs> clear? They just got it. They traded for Cam Akers. They brought in an offensive lineman. What are they doing here when they should be like, wait, all these teams now need quarterbacks? What who are you who will you give up to get Kirk Cousins? How many picks are you gonna give us? These two teams, one of them is going to end up at 0-3 this weekend. And all we're going to do is sit here on Monday when we talk about these two teams and be like, you either should have fired your coach. Or you should have traded your quarterback. We know one of them is going to have that on Monday. And guess what? The other one will have that two Mondays from now, probably. You're shaking your head, both of you. Like, this is this is a dumb game. That this even exists. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dumb it's game. It's a dumb game. It's a dumb game. It's a dumb game. Like, it's just like, why? What are you doing, both of you? I, I don't think they— Both the teams, I, don't, I mean. I, I think the Minnesota Vikings know what they're doing. You said it. This offseason, they went through a quiet rebuild. They they got rid of a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball that have been stalwarts. They kept Daniel Hunter. They kept um, your, your boy Harrison Smith. But other than that, they pretty much jettisoned everybody. Aaron Kendricks, who used to be the heart and soul of that defense, he's now gone. 
And so I think yeah, they Eric had Kendrick's on the Chargers. He's I on believe. the Chargers. Yeah. yeah, they they had clear eyes. They were they were sober minded when they made the decision to go down this road, which is why I think they didn't extend Kirk Cousins because they thought there was a possibility that they wouldn't be very good this year. They didn't let the guys of being thirteen and three and winning what was it twelve one score games last year. They didn't let that influence where they thought they were in terms of their overall program development. So shout out to them for being able to do that and make that decision. And when you have that kind of success in year one with the head coach, you get a little more leash. Yeah. And so I think they're trying to figure out exactly what they're doing with their quarterback and what kind of football team they want to be in the Kevin O'Connell, Coefia Dosa Mensa era of Vikings football. Now, when it comes to the Chargers, I got no answers for you. I got no answers for you. Because if your coach is already on the hot seat, if there's a chance that you could fire him after the first four games of the season, because their bye week is in week five, that's a real possibility if they're on four at that point. If there is a chance that you could do that, then it was a mistake to run it back with Brandon Staley when it was clear that Sean Payton, one of the best football minds that was out there, was interested in your job. For Sean Payton, it was, came down to the L.A. Chargers and the Denver Broncos. And if you look at the two quarterbacks, it really ain't a, hell, a big choice. It's Justin Herbert versus a washed-up Russell Wilson. Pretty sure Sean Payton would have went with the Chargers. But the fact that you passed on Sean Payton to give Brandon Staley the opportunity to prove that he was a good coach this year, after you're talking about the way that they ended the season last year, blowing a 27 nothing lead in the playoffs, is absolutely ridiculous. This franchise, I, I know people don't want to associate them with being a dumpster fire, but it's pretty bad. Think about it. Justin Herbert came into the league, coach was on the hot seat. Justin Herbert going into year four, coach was on a hot seat. It's hard for good players to overcome bad coaching. When are the Chargers going to take the coaching position seriously? When are they going to get somebody in there that can be the difference in your quarterback and your young, talented team being on the winning side of close ball games? Or how about being on the winning side of games that they have huge leads in? The Chargers, since the beginning of 2022, have the most blown double-digit leads in the National Football League. At some point, something about that has to change. If that ain't coaching, Smalls, what is? I was thinking about this. Why don't we throw the Chargers in the mix when we talk about the worst franchises in sports? This is a, a franchise that moved from San Diego to L.A. and is basically irrelevant. They have one of these young quarterbacks that we think could be a true X factor, a true difference maker, one of those guys that eventually becomes a Tier 1 quarterback. He's getting paid like a Tier 1 quarterback. And we do not talk about the Chargers. They lose, CC to your point, in dramatic and confounding ways yep. all the time. Their coach entered the season on a seat that's hotter than the equator, and yet they start the season 0-2, and we barely blink. We barely talk about them. Because we're used to it. We're used to that. They were going to have those heartbreaking losses. That's the char- I mean, the Chargers, it, when we were going through the merry-go-round of teams moving, they should have moved to Vegas. The Raiders should have moved to L.A. And I understand the, Ra- the Raiders. The Carson are d- Project. Yeah, but I think that if <laughs> you look at it, the Vegas, the Vegas fan base, right? And shout out to Q Myers and everybody at ESPN and, and Las Vegas. The Vegas fan base would have supported whatever team was there. Yeah. yeah. Right? The L.A. fan base loves the Raiders. So, like, it, to me, give the Chargers a fan base, which they don't have, really, to the extent that the Raiders and Rams do. Sorry, Smalls. And then, you know, put the Raiders right around the fan base they have. The other thing is, if you go back in time and you rewind of things that happen to connect dots, the Denver Broncos, I believe, hired Nathaniel Hackett in order to get Aaron Rodgers. They didn't get Aaron Rodgers. They get Russell Wilson. The L.A. Chargers kept their head coach, Brandon Staley, and he goes to Denver. 
right, as a result, uh, Sean Payton goes to Denver. Mm -hmm. What probably should have happened is the Broncos should have realized we are not ever going to get Aaron Rodgers. We don't hire Nathaniel Hackett. They have a coach who's better than Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton is available, and he should have been going to the Chargers. Right now, Russell Wilson should probably not be on the Broncos. Hackett should have never coached the Broncos, and Payton probably should be the coach of the Chargers. Now, I don't know where Russell Wilson should have been at that point if he wasn't going to be with, obviously, the the Seahawks. Maybe it was the Giants. There were all those rumors about the Giants with Russell Wilson for all those years. Maybe that all would have made more sense. Maybe he should have been with the Giants, and then they wouldn't have had to worry about the contract extension for Daniel Jones. If you rewind time and kind of do where did everybody actually want to go, Sean Payton wanted to go to the Chargers. We all yeah, know that. Yeah. The Broncos wanted Aaron Rodgers, not Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I bet Russell Wilson wanted the Giants and not the Broncos. That's probably true. But I just don't understand how the Chargers can continue to waste a top-tier quarterback talent. Since Herbert came into the league in 2020, he's sixth in touchdown passes and he's fifth in QBR. The four quarterbacks in front of him from a QBR standpoint during that span, they all have a winning percentage of 66% or better. At what point is Justin Herbert stop wasting him? He's now he loses half the games that he plays in. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.